Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Thorne Byron by the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam Hurt. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Foldy. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the Adela Mannheim. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Good weekend and welcome to the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming. Thanks again for checking out the uh, the program. And uh, if this is your first time downloading an episode, well, I hope you enjoy the program and I hope you'll be back uh, for more. And if you're a returning listener, Obviously, thank you for uh, the continued support, especially those of you who have uh, signed up to be patrons at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. It's your help that keeps the show going. Don't have a question of the week uh, this week, as quite honestly, there wasn't a whole lot that was going on. There was a big story that just came out uh, in the last day or two uh, from Adam Woden at College Hockey News. And you can get right into that. The... Uh, the Ivy League schools have uh, postponed all sporting activities until at least January. So that's, you know, the big ones in the fall, obviously football. That also puts into question uh, college hockey. Uh, that would be schools like Cornell and Brown and Princeton and Yale and Harvard and all those types of schools. So the ECAC not going to be playing uh, conference games until at least January. And he's actually got a really in-depth and uh, a really solid write-up. Uh, find that at College Hockey News. Just the, the ramifications of just the one conference who has uh, decided to do that thus far. And you got to feel like it's just the tip of the iceberg. Had Adam on the show about a month ago. We were talking about it, and he didn't think there was going to be anything happening until at least January across the board. And quite honestly, I still feel the same way about uh, junior hockey. But now that it's official uh, for the NCAA, go and check out his write-up at College Hockey News for more on that. Because just the Ivy League's uh, fall shutdown has serious implications across all of college hockey. And that might even trickle down to junior leagues. As we've speculated here on the show over the last uh, little while, that if there's no NCAA hockey, what happens to the players? Do a lot of them look north and consider if the CHL gets going, that they can't afford to take a year off for their development. And they uh, leave college hockey and try to join the Canadian Hockey League. The only other real news item to uh, pass on is that a number of dates for the NHL's return have been uh, tentatively announced, including a few that uh, affect uh, junior and college hockey, that uh, being the NHL draft. The 2020 NHL draft, which should have already happened, is now tentatively booked for October 6th. Training camps for the 2021 season for the NHL, again, very much uh, a fluid situation, but November 17th, the date to set for those. 
So with the CHL hoping to get back in business early October, say October 2nd is what the WHL is circled, with NHL training camps opening a month and a half later, you wonder if it's going to be a very small NHL camp or if a bunch of CHL players will be leaving their teams in the you know early stages of their season to uh, spend a couple of weeks or 10 days or something like that at NHL camps. Now, the tentative start for the next NHL season is December 1st. Now, we're not talking about finishing the 2020 playoffs. That's supposed to start August 1st. Uh, and all of this are basically just being put on the calendar as targets. Uh, who knows if any of those targets will actually be met or not. But that's it for the news and notes. Do have a full slate of guests for you uh, today. Four of them going to be joining me on the Troubled Monk Hotline. The Tap Room in Red Deer is uh, back up and running. And in Alberta, you book online uh, through troubledmonk.com. Spend 50 bucks and you, you can get your order delivered right to your door. Do it before 1 o'clock, spend 50 bucks, and it's a uh, free same-day delivery as well. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. Got my restocked order just last week and uh, enjoying that thoroughly. But anyway, the guests that you're going to hear from today, we're going to start it off with a conversation with uh, a former WHLer, longtime pro now. Uh, his name is Wacy Rabbit. Spent uh, most of his WHL career with the Saskatoon Blades. Ended up as uh, the captain of the Blades the one year. Was drafted by the Boston Bruins. Never played in the NHL, but uh, spent three years in their system with uh, the Providence Bruins, has been uh, overseas and in the ECHL uh, since then and, and still playing, but had a chance to catch up with him. Wanted to ask him about, uh, from his perspective, last week we were talking a lot about uh, teams that use Native American imagery or names as part of their franchises and uh, what his perspective is on that situation. And also we wanted to ask him about what it was like for him to play minor hockey and into the WHL and even professionally as a visible minority and uh, representing Indigenous people, what that experience was like for him. So we'll start the show off with Wacy Rabbit, and then we're going to have a trio of 2020 draft spotlight segments, all three guys kind of pegged to be taken somewhere in the second round for the most part. Uh, we'll start with uh, Jack Finley, big Jack Finley, six foot six centerman with the Spokane Chiefs. From there, we'll go with a defenseman out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League who is uh, scheduled to join the Denver Pioneers this year, Asterix. Uh, Michael Benning of the Sherwood Park Crusaders, another guy I think most people expect is going to go in the second, maybe third round for Michael Benning. And we'll close it out today with uh, Justin Soriff of the Vancouver Giants, shafted third overall in the Bantam draft a, a few years back and one of the leading offensive guys for the Giants. Seen some rankings that suggest he could go maybe at the uh, the edge of the first round. Others that have him more in the uh, firmly in the second, uh, perhaps even the later stages of the second round. And once you get there, who knows? Maybe you go to the third round. But all three of those guys uh, could hear their names called in round two. So key guys that we wanted to get on the show to introduce to you, the audience. Lastly, if you're in Alberta and you have any RV needs or questions or you're in the market, or maybe you just want to rent, Arcan RV is uh, the dealerships that I would suggest you get in contact with. Uh, they've really stepped up during the pandemic to help out frontline workers, including my wife, who is currently uh, working in a hospital. And when she comes home, she's living in a trailer in our driveway, thanks to the uh, generosity of Arcan RV locations in Calgary and Edmonton and in between. And you can hear the, the spot that they provided me. They've got a great deal this summer. 
that if you're a camper, man, you don't want to pass up on that one, that's for sure. And with that, let's get to the show. We'll kick it off. Wacy Rabbit, former Saskatoon Blade, he's up first here on the Pipeline Show. And Doc will get back to it. Doc at his blue line. Comes to center, ducks around Leeson. In over the line on the wing, trying to go wide around. Pahal gets in front, shoots and scores! Ah! Oh, let's go! Kirby Doc puts hand to the ear as if to listen for the boos from the crowd here at the Art Harrison Center. But what a brilliant individual effort by Kirby Doc. And the Blades have opened the scoring in game two in Prince Albert. I'm Kirby Doc of the Saskatoon Blades, and this is the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. We're back on the Pipeline Show. We're going to kick this uh, this week's episode off in a fine fashion. Now we're going to chat a little bit about last week's uh, question of the week, which was uh, in regards to uh, there's there's several teams in the, across the Canadian Hockey League. I wouldn't say several. There's four or five uh, that are using uh, imagery or names uh, that have a, uh, well, that some people might object to because they have uh, uh, Indigenous people's uh, representation, whether it's with the logo or with the name. Uh, and uh, there was a lot of response to the that question of the week. So I wanted to get somebody on who might have a more informed opinion. Uh, so let's bring in a player who played uh, five years, full full five years in the Western Hockey League. He's gone on to have a very successful uh, professional career as well. Was a captain of the Saskatoon Blades at one point, drafted fifth round uh, by the Boston Bruins back in 2005. Wacy Rabbit, uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show, Wacy. How are things? Um, I'm good. I'm actually here in Edmonton. I'm just kind of enjoying my, my summer. I'm not sure how long that's going to be. Our, our season is cut short. And then we obviously we don't, we're very uncertain with these times of when the, the season is going to get back and running, at least in the semi-professional ranks. I saw that uh, you're at the, uh, the River Cree uh, at the uh, complex there. You got a camp going on? Um, well, no, I just started skating. Um, there's a group from Junior A and like some midget prep kids that were out skating at like one of the shinnies I was at. And then I asked them if, uh, if they, ha- if they were, actually open to it if they wanted to come to if i got to ice, they'd we'd run through some drills and i know i do a lot of uh camps along with like skills and skating and just kind of get their get their i guess their mind more focused on towards uh, their season rather than just 
playing shinny for an hour. And I know when I was younger, I liked doing that and just mm. trying to get better. So I offered it, and then they had a pretty good, pretty good uh, group coming out right now. This is a tough uh, off season for a lot of players. You yourself, you're free agent right now, aren't you? Or do you have plans already in place for what you would be doing, assuming hockey gets back to business here? No, well, I mean, the, the team hasn't announced it, but I am planning to go back to Jacksonville in the East Coast Hockey League. Okay. So, uh, like, like Florida right now is such a, it's such a, it's getting hit bad by the, the COVID-19. And so it's kind of up in the air of when it's actually going to get going, but I am expected to return to Jacksonville. Well, and you've been a part of that team for the last three seasons, but you've had some international experience sprinkled in between uh, as well. How does that work when you, you play in Jacksonville? For, well, a couple of games the one year, but you're in the Czech Republic and then a full year in the ECHL with Jacksonville. Last year, you're kind of split between Jacksonville and playing in Romania. How does that work? Yeah. So I was in the Romanian team, but it's like in Hungary and Austria. So they're called the Ersta Liga. It's the owned by a bank there. Um, my friend was uh, just turned into a general manager with the team and he offered a pretty good opportunity, but because of uh, visa issues and the paperwork wasn't done properly, we weren't, we, myself and uh, my girlfriend weren't allowed to stay past the 90 day window of the visa that was set to expire the travel visa. So oh, I, see. Uh, I was very fortunate enough that Jacksonville was happy to bring me back. And I mean, there's no, <laughs> before, before the COVID there, we were, we were on the beaches and then I was in the hockey rink and there's um, sunny weather in January. So it was kind of a, con- a good consolation prize. Yeah, uh, you've been spoiled a little when you when I'm looking at your your uh, profile page on Elite Prospects, just to show all the stops that you've been over uh, since your uh, WHL career came to an end. Obviously, you had the the years with the Providence Bruins in the American Hockey League, but a, a season spent in Croatia, three years at Norway, a uh, stint in Japan, Italy. I mentioned the Czech Republic and Romania. Man, hockey has taken you all around the world. Yeah, and went to last year with uh, the Panthers organization. I was in San Antonio. I didn't have a great year, and there was the, I guess the the, the unknown if there was going to be a lockout in 2000. I think it was 11 or 12. So I, I got the opportunity to go to Norway. And at that point in my career, I was like, you know what? If I if I get a chance to travel the world, and I mean, it's not going to be very uh very common when I retire to go live somewhere and experience a culture for that long. And I've been very blessed with. Uh, going to travel like i said to japan italy czech republic um i got to experience different cultures it's kind of opened my mind and obviously to my i got my, my family got to experience uh, traveling different countries so i'm very blessed was the hockey culture very different in each of those countries from each other or just compared to what it was like for you growing up in canada and, and playing in north america what was and like was norway a lot different than italy and and japan was a lot different than romania uh, or were there more similarities to the international experience than there were for you with uh, just being at, back home? Um, for me, my first stop was in Zagreb, Croatia. And the the biggest thing for me was trying to get out of my own mind of that. This is how it should be done. You know, Canada, North America, hockey, where you're just used to the professionalism and not so much the press, but like just like the off ice stuff that how they, how they handle their business. Once you get that out of your mind and just accept that this is just how it's, this is how they do it. Right. That's the biggest culture shock. And, but for me, when I was in Norway, uh, it's very Scandinavian, like the hockey was Sweden, Finland, Norway, Denmark. They're all similar. It's all fast paced and they don't like to dump the puck very much, but it's, it's more North American style. And then when I was in Italy and Czech Republic, I mean, that was the old Russian guard still, the way they play hockey when I was in the Czech, the Czech extra league, I think was one of the best leagues in the world. 
Um, it's the, the hockey there is crazy. It's very defensive. Uh, the ice is big. So there's anytime you turn over the puck, there's a chance that it's going to be in the back of your net. And when I was in Italy, we had a North American coach is Mark Hollis, who coached in Prince George for a number of years in Syracuse. So right. we played a more North American style game and there was more imports in that league. So you felt like you're playing in Canada hmm. and it, it, it's just really where no matter what domestic league you're in, like in Germany, there's more uh, North American imports. So it's going to feel like a, a North American game would rather you're in Finland where there's one or two imports and you get to really experience the, the actual hockey that like we played Espoo in a couple of um, exhibition games and just the hockey is completely different. The rink size is different and just how you attract, how you attack and how you defend is completely different. And I feel like a, just getting back to the game now when I start coaching, I can use those things which I've learned throughout my career and obviously give back and my knowledge for the younger generation coming up. Now, uh, Wacey, you just talked about coaching, and I was kind of going to lead to that eventually. Like, how much longer do you expect to be playing for? And when you're done, is coaching something you want to get into? But, I mean, you're, you're what, 33-ish, something like that right now? So I'm 33. 33 turned 34 in November. And I always said that if um, body, my, my body, I've been very – Blessed to have a healthy, I mean, I haven't had knock on wood. I haven't had any super serious uh, injuries throughout my career that if I could play till I was 35, I would. Hmm. And right now I'm getting into a, my career where if the next couple of years, especially with the Iceman, I've been, uh, they are, they are a Jets organization that now with uh, the opportunity for me to coach and maybe go on and maybe the American league level or even start at the East Coast Hockey League level where I can start my, my transitioning into behind the bench. That'd be something I'm very intrigued in. Outstanding. Wacy Rabbit is my guest here on the Pipeline Show. We're going to look back at his WHL career and get into some other stuff as well. Uh, tell me about when you when you think back to your, your time in the dub, uh, I mean, you were a captain with the Saskatoon Blades uh, your final year there, but you finished your WHL career off with the Vancouver Giants. But most of your time spent in that one place in Saskatoon. What stands out to you when you look back at the, your time there? Uh, my first year, I always think of, because as a 16-year-old, first time leaving home, um, I was one of, there's another Indigenous player on our team. Uh, the community in Saskatoon is somewhat similar where I grew up to in Lethbridge, mm-hmm. where like the hurricanes were so big. And in, in Saskatoon, there are no other professional like, teams other than the Rough Riders. So, so junior hockey in Saskatchewan is, is, is all, you know, it's number one. So, for me to experience that, and I had a great first year. I mean, I got to play in some pretty cool games where we won gold with the Canada Winter Games, and then I scored over, I scored 21 goals with the West with the Blades as a 16 year old, uh, which led me to be able to play for our, our under 18 team. And then my 18, I mean, my, my second year, we had probably one of the worst uh, seasons in WHL history. We only won seven games, so it was a very it was very humbling as a 17 year old to have good success. Uh, the success that I had as a 16-year-old to to have, I guess, it was just the exact complete opposite end where I didn't have a very good year, not only personally, but our team was was not very good. And then we pretty much had the same makeup the next year at 18, and we it kind of took off from there where I just kind of found my game and found who I was, and I was kind of rounding as just what type of player I was going to be when I, once I advanced into the, the professional ranks. But when I was named captain in Saskatoon, I was like, I was very, I was, one of the biggest honors, uh, even to this day, I'm 30, 33 years old, that uh, being cap, being named captain of a uh, Western Hockey League is such an honor, just not only because of the, the historic franchise that the Blades are, but the high population of the Indigenous people around in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was being approached by people and saying that they're proud and 
the representation of, of even like younger kids in the crowd seeing that someone that looks like them being a leader on a team that that was something I took pride in and I got to my 19 year old year I got to do a lot of good things with the communities around there the Saskatchewan Tribal Council um, I was named humanitarian of the year by the Western Hockey League um, we would bring in kids from out throughout the reserves we'd go talk to them play um, play hockey and then once or twice a month they'd come in for a pizza party they'd get to do the the skating and the practicing with the team and the the ones that I think well the way it happened was that you'd have to have per, not not great grades but you have to be like working hard perfect attendance and actual contri- contribution in your school to be able to come to these things and they get to come to games so it was really cool for me to to meet a lot of people around Saskatoon and for when I was there the the Brodsky family owned it and they're really really it was important for their players to be a part of the community and to give back and there was just it was a great time for me to <laughs> when I look back the memories and I'm kind of getting emotional now because the junior hockey they always say is the best time of your career and was it for you when you think of it now yeah it was because obviously professional hockey is different once you get to that range you don't understand until you see it because everyone's trying to make that next step so there is still that team camaraderie but when there's 16 to 20 year old, uh, 20 year old men, just all, you know, we, we get probably 60 bucks every two weeks. So not, not everyone's, not everyone has money. So we all kind of just chip in to do whatever we want when we hang out. I remember we'd always go to $2 movie nights and we'd play laser tag and just doing stuff like that as a team because you're, you're, you know, you're, you're all boys turning into men and you're all like on the same path because you're not everyone is from Saskatoon. So. We all have that bond, and we get to play hockey, and uh, it, it was it was really fun time. I don't imagine you had just one coach the entire time you were in Saskatoon, or did you? How many different coaches did, did you have? Uh, in Saskatoon, we went my first two, my first year in a bit was Kevin Dickey, and he was awesome. He actually was a I, I sent out a tweet the other day about just I think it was about a month ago, just what was happening in the in the was going on in the world and the racism that's happening. I just shared my experiences in hockey and how my life that happened and he reached out and he said he was proud of me and I never got to say thank you because I wouldn't be able to I wouldn't be the player where I I became without him even I was with him from my draft to the my 17 year old year so I was both three or four years we spent together and he was uh he was an educator so I think he's he's uh out east now but he I got to say thank you and then we had a I forget the gentleman's name he was there for about three or four months and then my eight year old year who the guy that I, I feel had the most um, influence on me was uh, Lauren Mulliken. Right. And he's, uh, he, he was the one that kind of pushed me to, to kind of open myself up and be, become that leader and just to take uh, initiative and in becoming, I guess, a face of someone in the community that, like you said, like uh, Saskatoon, there's a lot of First Nations, Indigenous people throughout the, the that part of the province. So he said that you, for me, was, it was something that I could, I could, use as a, as a platform up for other kids to to feel like they have someone to look up to and uh, i'm always thankful to, to lauren and he made me captain of his team and when i was 19 and we had some pretty successful years I and mean, we didn't make any playoff runs but we had some good teams where we did did uh, make the playoffs each year that, that can't be easy uh I, I i can't i'm trying to put myself in your in your shoes back then as you're not just captain of the team but as you described you're also the face of uh, indigenous players in the Western Hockey League, and there weren't that many at the time. So you're you're kind of being a role model for everybody, for an entire community uh, to look up to. 
the white kid next to you or the captain of the the other team of, of Prince Albert that year who might be a white kid doesn't have that extra added uh, pressure of being that role model. Was that difficult for you at that age? No, I think from when I was uh, probably 12, 13, 14, when I think uh, my parents kind of figured that I would be able to take the next step in my hockey career and then I was drafted, they kind of prepared me that, you know, like in, in the First Nations community, there is a lot of uh, negative stereotypes. So they prepared me for that and they said, you, for you, you're going to be looked upon as, as someone that our people are going to be proud of and you're going to be a role model. I mean, you kind of have no choice because, I mean, not everyone's having an article written them into the Star Phoenix in Saskatoon that's First Nations that's positive, you know? So for me, like, you can either be a good role model or a bad role model. For me, I mean, I was just an athlete. I was a young man, but I, I, I embraced it. I, I didn't feel it as, as, a, as pressure. You know, I, I enjoyed being like when I was, anytime I was asked to come speak to a community or some, some young, younger generations, like the, the minor hockey programs, I, I enjoyed it because when I was growing up, I mean, the, the guy that I looked up to was Shane Peacock and I, I was five or six years old and he was the captain of the Lethbridge Hurricanes. And he was drafted by the Pittsburgh Penguins and he was kind of, wow, like if he can do it, I can do it. And for me, that, that was a big inspiration. So if I could just do that for one kid that said, you know what? He, he comes from the same place. He grew up on reserve. He had to move off the reserve to chase his dreams. And he was put in uncomfortable situations where, I mean, I was the only person of color or indigenous on in a lot of my schools and hockey teams up until about the Western Hockey League. So just to, just so for kids to have that inspiration. And I mean, I never played in the NHL, but for for me, the, the WHL was kind of like the big, the, the NHL, especially for 10 to 15 year old kids with the dub, if they want to get drafted, it's such a huge thing. So, I mean, for me to, to give back and allow someone to give their inspiration, then <laughs> I have no problem being that for them you touched on the racism uh, and the, all the racial tension that's happening uh, south of the border i know in canada uh, I, we'd like to think that it's not as big of an issue uh, north of the border here but uh, obviously that's not the case uh, are there were there times uh, as a kid whether it's minor hockey or into the whl or even beyond as a pro that you had to deal with uh, racism either on the ice or or in the dressing room or, or off the ice yeah i i my very first runner was, was racism. I was 10. I was at a PBAA hockey tournament in Lethbridge. And uh, one of the kids actually told me to go back to my reserve or to go back, yeah, you know, go back to my reserve, go back to where I came from. And I, for the life of me, I was 10 years old and I didn't understand why someone would say that or that was the first words out of his mouth. And I ended up telling the ref. The ref didn't know what to do with it. Um, I told the coaches. The coaches didn't know that, and my dad actually kind of was a little irate, and then went to the league. It took the, the league didn't even know how to handle it, so it took about six months for them to to for the kid to miss a couple games. But it was kind of swept under the rug, and we were uh, we were later on found that the the coach it was the coach's son that said that, and one of the assistant coaches he was a RCMP officer, so. I mean, they're, they're obviously they just weren't trained to handle racism, but that's not neither here nor there. But for the kids, first words to come out of their mouth when you're 10 years old, it's not that's not something you just as a as a child you you just come up with yourself. So obviously he was taught somewhere to to, to to speak like that or think like that. And I didn't like I said I couldn't I didn't understand. My parents were a little irate, but they 
I mean, they, they, they told me that just be proud of who you are and where you come from. I mean, it's for me now when I say stuff like that, it's not, it's not an issue for me. It's just they're basically projecting themselves like they're, they're, I mean, they're it's a mirror because they're, you're not mad at me. There's whatever's going through you mm-hmm. to come up and say this hate is, is your own issue. Like, so for, and then my, my first year in Saskatoon, I was, uh, I was, it was kind of like it was just out of it wasn't a major thing, but just for me to ask one of the Bellet daughters, like it was just a group of us to come hang out at a movie theater and to go to a movie and the parents said, No, he's he's Indian, you're not gonna hang out with him and thankfully one the the player at the time that was living there stood up for me and the 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 the, the family wasn't allowed to bill it with the blades ever again. So it it was it's it's happened throughout my career and in my professional career it's been good in the Western Hockey League. I got under 17 and was with the Canada Winter Games and one of the players from BC called me a chug. And I didn't know chug was a, was a racial slur at the time. And then it took me about <laughs> six months to figure out just exactly what he said and what he meant. And then I was like, oh my God, like, what the hell? And then but I, I never saw that player ever again or never ran into him. And he, it, <laughs> so, but thankfully he, he, I never ran into him again because obviously at that time, hockey, you, you settled your own score, so he would have had to answer the bell, and I would have. <laughs> yeah. The myths would have been off, and you know what would have happened from there. But now it's it's when I hear stuff like that, I just kind of turn my turn the shoulder. And for for thankfully for me that there's nothing happened on the ice in my professional career, and other than in Europe, that's a totally different story and a different monster. Hmm. But like I, I just felt that. For the kids that have experienced racism, that they need to know that they're they're not alone in these experiences, and there's just nothing that they should be ashamed of. It's it's the people that are being um, very disrespectful and hurtful, and it's there's these the kids they should be proud of who they are, where they come from, and like hockey is for everybody. Sports is is a time for everyone to to come together, and to, it's a positive thing. Wazy Rabbit is my guest, a former WHLer, longtime member of the Saskatoon Blades, still playing professionally, the Jacksonville Iceman in the ECHL. Uh, assuming hockey gets back going, he'll be back down uh, in Florida this coming season. Uh, you mentioned uh, some of the uh, the discussion south of the border about changing uh, team names. Uh, the NFL club in Washington that just has an outright uh, racial slur as their, their team name, obviously, uh, long overdue to be changed, but other teams as well, and that brought the conversation around to the to the Western Hockey League and the Canadian Hockey League as a whole. I, I want to get your impression or your your perspective on on teams like the Moose Jaw Warriors, who have a Native American as their their logo. I, I don't I don't know if the the if you object at all to that or to the name Warriors, because I think Warriors could be anything. But um, the use of Indigenous symbolism as an Indigenous player yourself does it bother you? Uh, the Warriors, not so much, but when you get into the Redskins, it's, uh, it's kind of a different story. And I mean, it's, it, the topic can be discussed in many different, different ways, but I, I think at the end of the day, when you take the look at the big picture that sports is, uh, is a time for a community where everybody gets to celebrate and cheer on their team and cheer on their favorite players. But if your team name or your organization is demeaning a certain group, then then it's not for everyone, and then it should be looked at, you know. So for for us to be portrayed in in the the, the Redskins, and you look at the Cleveland Indians, they're just not correct like politically. 
but also it'll allow it like some of the like when I was in Europe we we <laughs> the team the we played the Pilsen Indians and they would do the war chants before games and they'd have all the like the, the the Wahoo chants and mm-hmm. basically they do that in Dan L B and some other arenas down in the United States that it's it's very demeaning to our people and for myself and now like especially what's going on in the United States with uh with all the racial tension that it is, it, it, it is time to have that conversation. It's not comfortable for us. It's comfortable. It's uncomfortable for the people that feel the need that they need to hang on to that, that old style of, you know, racism is okay. As long as nobody says anything, it's, 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 it's harmless. It's, it's, you know, it's playful, but it, it's not. And this is for, for our people, the, the, the things we've had to go through throughout history, especially in Canada, I mean, it's it's time for everybody, especially the sporting events, and for like I said, for the community to come together. It, it needs to be for everybody, and not just not just the select few. Uh, where does the line get drawn on what is and what isn't acceptable? I, obviously, you mentioned the NFL club in Washington; that's uh, way over the line. But you're okay with the, the Moose Jaw Warriors and their and their current logo. Where does it uh, become a point where you know you've crossed the line? I mean, the Spokane Chiefs. Uh, have a, a name that obviously I think would be derived from indigenous uh, people, but the, the logo, I don't know if that's, you know, an S with some feathers in it. I don't know if that's offensive to anybody, but what about the Chicago Blackhawks and using that logo? I mean, and the Portland Winterhawks for, for that matter. Where do you kind of cut it off? What's uh, what's okay and what's not? I mean, it, it, it's like I just talked and go back and forth. I mean, for, for like the, like the only the example I can use is, uh, I mean, I only played one or two games in in Spokane, but the I mean, you'd have to ask the for the organization. I would think I would be asked to go speak to the the, the indigenous and native population around there. That if they could have some insight in exactly how to do it properly and to honor, if you're going to use our our people as as a prop to honor us properly, so that you know, like the 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 native and and the, the Indian connotation that it's all media and Hollywooded up so that it, there's that stereotype and if like we're a proud people our warriors and we're we're very to, um <laughs> we're very understanding and very um we're very deep rooted people and we're very honored in our culture and like like even going back to Moostra they're in the Treaty Four area of Canada. So I think if the Warriors wanted to um continue using the name and obviously honoring our people that they should be, uh, they should step out and ask people of treaty four and get some insight from them. And like with the hurricanes, if they, they're in treaty seven, so they still do a lot of stuff with our community and, and being the Blackfoot territory. And then up here, obviously in treaty six with the the oil Kings, but they don't have those names, but they're still involving our people in that because you are on, you are on that. They're, 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 they're territory. And, for me, honestly, like, cause I'm not big into politics, but if you are using any type of, for your, for your team name, if you're honoring those people, I think it's one thing, but to do it properly is another. And that's, that's, that's something I think like, our, like you'd have to ask one of our elders in our communities that the proper way. And, and we're, 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 we're so happy. I mean, the, the native community is such a, like we're, we're, so gung ho on sports and hockey players and and we're so proud of I mean 
up here in Treaty 6 territory, they're all Oilers fans. You know, they have Ethan Bear here, so they get to see their one of their, their own um, succeed. And down south, we have Travis Hamannick and with the Flames. And when Michael Furlan was on the team, like, like our, the, the Native community surrounded them, and they just they embraced it. So, like like I said, when it all comes back to just is hockey, is, is sporting, making sure it's for everybody. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Wacey, I kept you a long time. I really appreciate you, your thoughts and your insight into all of that. Um, I certainly wish you the best of luck. And hopefully we're talking about hockey uh, sooner as opposed to later and uh, everything gets back to normal here uh, pretty quickly. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, Gate. Hopefully uh, it helped. And the conversation is always, I mean, the education is as long as you have conversation, we begin healing, right? Hopefully you have a good rest of your summer and stay safe. There's Wacey Rabbit and sharing a very valuable perspective on uh, that whole discussion. And that discussion continues. Uh, I see the uh, Washington football team is, uh, sounds like they're about to announce a new name for their franchise, which is a good thing. I know the uh, Edmonton Eskimos, the CFL team, getting some pressure, renewed pressure to uh, change their name. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of debate on that because I, I think the Eskimos actually have done that community outreach. And but something we talked about last week on the show is that even if you asked a hundred Inuit people in that instance, you you wouldn't get a consensus on whether it should or should not be changed. And as one listener pointed out to me on Twitter last week, just getting rid of all of it might be overkill. And Wacey alluded to that as well. A, a team like the Spokane Chiefs, or as he said, the Moose Jaw Warriors, if you just got rid of all of it, then there'd be no representation, and that might be bad too. And so while using the Edmonton Eskimos as an example, maybe Eskimos isn't outright, you know, it's not a racial slur. It might not be the kindest term. It might be, you know, slightly derogatory. It might be, let's just call it rude. You know, that's a far cry from being racist, but do you need to be rude? And a team like the Eskimos, who have the double E as their logo, they could just easily change their name to the Edmonton Empire. They've been using that name in a lot of their uh, marketing over the last number of years. It seems like they, they wouldn't even have to change their logo. Whereas a team like the Moose Jaw Warriors uh, that I use as, as an example, I think you could move away from, you could just get a different logo, not have to change your name. But then there's copyright and uh, all that stuff. There's an expense involved. No easy solutions, I suppose, but I really do appreciate uh, Wacy Rabbit's uh, perspective on the whole matter. Let's continue on with the rest of the show. The first of a trio of 2020 draft spotlight segments coming up. We're going to begin with a member of the Spokane Chiefs. His name is Jack Finley. Get to know big six foot six centerman Jack Finley next here on the Pipeline Show. Comes back out to Yamamoto at the point. Goes over to Ellenick right circle. Now Smith at the point. Yamamoto left side shoots and scores! Hi, this is Kyle Yamamoto for the Spokane Chiefs, and you are listening to the Pipeline Show. Hi, I'm Sarah from Arcan Trailer and RV. We know many lives have been altered and plans have changed, but something that hasn't changed is everyone's desire to make new memories with their families. Arcan wants to help you go camping this summer, and we'd like to make your payments for you. This isn't a deferral. We'll make your payments all summer long. Or if you currently have an RV but need a new one, trade it in and we'll make your payments too. It's on us. Visit ourcanrv.com for details and start planning your best trip ever. 
You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. Back on The Pipeline Show, we're going to continue on with a 2020 draft spotlight segment. My guest coming from the Western Hockey League, which makes it an in-the-dub segment as well, dubnetwork.ca. Uh, stay up to date on everything happening in the Western Hockey League and subscribe to get your daily dose of the dub. comes right to your inbox. You don't even have to search for it. Uh, and my guest today, another uh, player eligible for the 2020 draft whenever the draft happens, is uh, Jack Finley of the Spokane Chiefs. Uh, Jack, welcome to the program. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you uh, making the time today, and uh, tell me what summer has been like for you. I know this off season has been a lot longer than anybody had hoped for, uh, that's for sure, especially for a team like Spoke that was uh, headed to the playoffs. Uh, what have you been doing the last few months? Yeah, no, it was definitely frustrating, uh, you know, for, for our team and, and organization because we were starting to get on a little bit of a roll those last, uh, you know, couple months, and um, you know, I think just off the start, um, you know, I was just spending a lot of time at home with my family. I mean, it was a good time to do stuff around the house and, and just hang out um, with relatives. And I mean, I, I'm really lucky. I, I get to go to a private rink and a private gym. So hmm. I've actually been skating, um, you know, for three or four, three or four months um, and working out with my regular trainer. Um, and, and, you know, in Kelowna, the weather's, the weather's awesome too. So I've been um, you know, out um, with my buddies, and you know we're always active, golfing, playing basketball. Um, you know, the the city here has kind of opened up now, and um, you know, obviously there's still precautions and things, but just uh, you know, trying to live a normal life, I guess. Well, in a beautiful part of uh, the country, beautiful part of the world uh, to be in Kelowna, and at this time of year, it'd be pretty tough to have to stay indoors. So it's good that you're able to get out and uh, and enjoy the outdoors as much as possible. Um, uh, go back to when the sh- the season was shut down. Where were you and the Chiefs at that uh, that point? Uh, take me back to that day. Um, yeah, it was just um, you know we had a couple games left of the year, and uh, we'd kind of heard some stuff on the news, and we had a doctor come in and, and kind of explain everything to us and what was happening. And um, you know we got a text from our coach saying that uh, we're going to have to stay home for a couple days while they figure some things out. Um, so we just kind of stayed home for, I think it was two days. And then we got a text from our captain, uh, Ty Smith said, we need everyone to come to the rink right now. So, um, you know, we showed up and, and he broke the news that we, we'd have to go home and, um, you know, the, the season and the playoffs is undecided, but, um, you know, it wasn't looking good. And for right now, um, you know, just for the safety of everyone, they got to go home and, you know, it was sad for, um, you know, for the team, but for, you know, those guys that, you know, could potentially be the end of their you know, junior hockey careers, those 20-year-olds and, and guys going on to pro. So, um, you know, it was a very sad day, and um, you know, it, was, it was frustrating for a lot of people. Uh, have you had a chance? To, I don't know if you keep in touch with your uh, your billet family uh, during the off season, but what's it like in Spokane these days? Yeah, I know. I've I've kept in touch, and um, you know, I got a lot of friends there just through going um, from going through high school and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it's it's still pretty bad there, and um, and I think America in general, it's, um, you know, the coronavirus is worse than it is up here, I think. So, um, you know, there's still, um, you know, very, a lot of social distancing and some people are still in quarantine, but, um, you know, we're, we're lucky to be up here in Kelowna because it's, it's not as bad and, and not as strict up here. Yeah. Uh, Jack, this season for you at the time, everything was shut down. 
57 points in 61 games, so almost a point per game. Uh, almost tripled your numbers from the previous season in your rookie year. I got to think you were pretty happy with the way the uh, the season was playing out for you just on a personal level. Yeah, no, I, I'm i extremely happy with how my season went. And, um, you know, like I said before, it's, it's frustrating because, um, you know, I thought um, our team was starting to go on a little bit of a roll and, and I felt like I was a big part of that success. And, um, you know, for playoffs, that's a big part of my game too. And I wanted to, um, you know, obviously win a championship, but but show well for myself too. And, um, you know, just looking back on, on the season, um, we had an, obviously another good team this year and I got to play with some good players and, um, you know, I, I thought, you know, just playing with, with Adam Beckman a lot and he really brought out that offensive side of my game and, um, you know, playing with him too, I had to make sure that, um, you know, I was being reliable defensively because, you know, he's always jumping in the play and stuff. So, um, you know, I, I thought I, you know, played both sides of the puck well and, um, you know, I'm happy with how my season went. Jack Finley is my guest. He's draft eligible this year and played with the Spokane Chiefs the last couple of seasons. Drafted in the first round of the uh, Bantam draft back in uh, 2017. And maybe we'll go there next, Jack. And take me back to that day. And where were you? Uh, and I talked to a lot of players. Some were at school. Some were allowed to stay home and follow it along there. Where were you for, for the Bantam draft? Yeah, um, no, I, I got to uh, stay home from school that day. And, um, you know, it was an exciting day for my family because it was kind of, um, you know, it's, it's junior hockey and it was a dream of mine. And um, we were just, all, we had all my family just sitting on the couch and, you know, watching it on the TV. And, um, you know, when my name got called by Spokane, it was pretty awesome because um, I was a little undecided on, um, you know, if I was going to go that route and, and where I was going to get drafted. So, um, you know, I think after Spokane picked me, I, I knew that I was, can I go play, um, you know, major junior for them? So, yeah, I know it, it was an awesome experience for my family and I. Have you always been a forward, Jack? Uh, yeah, I've. Uh, I think when I was really, really young, um, I was a defenseman and um, I wasn't a great skater. So my dad just asked if I could play forward and just chase the puck around, work on my skating, and um, it just kind of stuck after that. What kind of influence was dad on you as a player, when especially when you were younger? Yeah, no, he's, um, you know, been amazing. And uh, I think just at a young age, just getting a chance to follow him around and um, just learn little things from him and get that inside look on the NHL. It's helped me so much, um, you know, especially at this point with with all the NHL stuff. And, um, you know, he, he never forced me into hockey or, or never forced me into doing anything. I mean, he's always been laid back and said, if, if I want it, um, you know, it's, it's, it's mine to mine to go get so um you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for him and um you know to have that opportunity that i have i don't have his stats page in front of me at the moment but do you remember any stops along the way uh during his career places you were um no i i, I was born in st louis um so i lived in st louis with him there um and then we lived in germany for a year too and, and he coached in Kelowna. so right i um, you know, i've got to follow him around a lot and, and you know see a lot of cool things has the draft uh, this year, go back to November, were you thinking a lot about the draft at, at that point? I know right now it might be different because there is nothing going on. That's pretty much what you have to look forward to at this moment. But during the season, was it something that you thought much about or were you trying to push that to the back of your brain? Um, no, I I think, yeah, obviously it's 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 there. Um, there's a lot of talk about it. There's a lot of stuff on social media. Um, but, you know, just, just going to the draft and, 
it just kind of being in my life, um, just because of my dad, I think, um, you know, I'm comfortable, um, you know, just talking about and thinking about it. And, um, you know, I, I try to just use it as motivation to, you know, work my way up the, the draft stock and, and get my name, you know, talked about a little bit more, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, not how high you go. It's, it's what you can do after you get drafted. So, um, you know, whenever the draft is, I'm, I'm excited for it. I did get to watch you this year when you came through Edmonton uh, against the Oil Kings. Had a big night that game. Uh, six, I think it was a 6-2 final score, I think, for, for the Chiefs. And you had a couple of goals in that one. But for people who haven't had a chance to watch you play, how would you describe yourself as a player? Yeah, um, I'm a big way to a playmaking center. Um, you know, I think you know one of my biggest assets would be my hockey sense and my playmaking ability. Um, and you know, another one would, would be my size. I love going to the net and, and playing hard and, and playing that heavy game. I mean, I, I think that's where I get most of my goals is tips and rebounds and, and all that stuff. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I think I play a good, good two way game. I try and be reliable and, and play in as many different positions as I can. Um, you know, you know, whether that's shutting down another team's top line, or, you know, playing power play, penalty kill, taking big face offs, um, you know, just trying to do things that, um, you know, little things that can help a team win. The WHL website lists you at 6'5 and 205 pounds, but Central Scouting has you at just under 6'6 and, and uh, like 213 or 215. Uh, what are you at right now? Yeah, no, I'm 6'5 and three quarters, uh, 215. Okay. Have you always been like the biggest kid in class growing up, or did you have like a sudden growth spurt when you were 14 or something? Uh, no, I've always been um, pretty much the biggest kid. I just haven't really stopped growing, so I think that's where I've got everyone there. Do you think you're done now, though, growing taller? I mean, I hope so. We'll see, <laughs> but I hope I have. Uh, yeah. At your size and at 215, uh, I mean, you're big and strong. At this level, at the junior level, that you got to be a pretty hard guy to stop. So, do you feel like you can do pretty much, you know, win all those battles in front of the in front of the net, or if you're in the corner, you can pretty much do what you want. You have that physical advantage. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think so. But um, you know, going to the league it was something that you kind of have to learn is is being able to use that size well, um, and that's something that I'm still trying to learn is um, you know being able to use my size and, and use it effectively. Um, and I think if I go on to the next level, um, you know, that's something that those, those, those guys that are kind of on the verge, they talk about is, um, just, you know, how defensemen take away space and, and how they battle and win pucks. Um, so, you know, it's being a bigger guy, I'm you know, obviously really lucky, but, uh, you got to keep continue working on that and, and working to use it more effectively. Now, size is a, a positive trade-off, but the, the opposite side of that, you might be giving up speed, or in the case of a lot of players, that would be the case. When it comes to skating, how do you feel about your mobility? Um, you know, I, I think it's come a long way for sure, um, and I think that's just with developing physically and, and kind of growing into my frame a little bit. Um, and I think over the last couple of years, just playing at the speed of the Western Hockey League, it's improved a lot, and um, you know, in the summers, it's my main priority. Um, so I think it's come a long way, and, and for my size, I think it's really well. But uh, you know, my, my mechanics are good, and I think I, mean, I can improve it a lot still. Now, when I would ask players, you know, before they get to the next level, what they what they need to do the most to to prepare, most of them say they want to get bigger and stronger. But you're already big and strong, so what is it for you? Uh, which, which boxes would you check off uh, as the highest on your to do list? 
Yeah, uh, mine would just be to get quicker. Um, you know, I think if I got bigger and stronger, I think I'd be too heavy and, and too slow. So for me, I just want to, you know, work on getting more powerful and quicker. Um, you know, yeah, just like I said, being a bigger guy, it's it's tough because that's not always there. Um, but, you know, the, the, the game is speed now, and, and that's, you know, my main priority. So, um, you know, just getting quicker and more powerful. Seems like most rankings have you pegged as going somewhere in the second round. How do you feel about that? Do you or do you do you get frustrated that you're not ranked higher? Or are you happy with second round? Does it matter uh, where you get drafted? You're, there's probably no concern about if you're getting drafted, so there's no pressure in that regard. It's just a matter of when. So does that really matter? Um, no, I I don't you know really look into the rankings. I never really have. Um, but you know it's it's cool to hear my name up there with those tough guys and. Um, you know, if if I go in, in the second round or, or wherever I go, I'll still be happy and, and honored to go. So, um, you know, I, I've just kind of learned not to really look in, and believe in those rankings. Excellent. Jack, listen, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for squeezing it in, uh, this interview. I know you're awfully busy. I, I imagine you've had lots of uh, interviews with NHL teams and, and stuff like that. So I appreciate you squeezing this one in. Thanks for this. Uh, best of luck. Hopefully we'll see you in a rink soon. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hard to imagine a six foot six center that's putting up some big numbers still being available in the second round, but that's where the rankings seem to have a Jack Finley pegged. It could be a real good value pick there, that's for sure. After a, a tremendous season this year in Spokane, took a huge jump in his offensive production uh, from his uh, rookie season, which to some degree is expected, but maybe, you know, I'm not sure how many players triple their numbers from the previous year. Pretty Pretty impressive year for Jack Finley. Up next, another player who's expected to go in that second, third round range. He's a defenseman, was named the CJHL's Defenseman of the Year, Michael Benning of the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Let's get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show. Soretsky, Mitchell, one-time shot, scores! Ian Mitchell, this kid's been red hot here on this road trip. He's got goals in back-to-back games, and he opens the scoring here. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Spruce Grove Saints, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Dylan Larkin. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Kevin Shattenkirk. And James Van Riemsdyk were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I got a bad feeling about this. Back on the Pipeline Show, we go from one 2020 draft spotlight right into another one. And uh, my guest uh, in this segment, also draft eligible, coming from the Alberta Junior Hockey League and one of the uh, top-ranked players in all of uh, Junior A hockey in uh, in Canada, Michael Benning of Sherwood Park Crusaders. Uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show, Michael. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Well, I appreciate you making the time. Now, right off, I'm going to say, or I'm going to ask you do, you, do you go by Mike at all, or do you prefer Michael? Because I know sometimes 
uh, that can be touch and go. But I've I've had some people say Mike to me, but I've always seen it written as Michael. Yeah, everyone everyone just writes it down as Michael, but like I prefer Mike as it's just shorter, you know. All right. It's kind of easier to spell. <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, we'll go with that then, Mike. I appreciate you making the time. Um, tell me about what uh, life has been like for the last couple of months since uh, the Alberta Junior Hockey League season and, and the playoffs were canceled. What have you been doing? Uh, it was it was slow when the season got canceled. I uh, couldn't really go out much. Uh, just kind of in my in my basement lifting whatever weights I could find. <laughs> um, yeah, and then kind of just had a lot a lot of family time there, which was good. Uh, but yeah, and then. Uh, my trainer had his uh, garage open up. He had some more resources there. So I was working out there um, like a month ago, probably month, month and a bit ago. And then since uh, the gym's been opened up for probably like a month, uh, maybe, a month, I don't know, somewhere around there. Right. And uh, I've just kind of going there. And uh, now I'm getting back skating with uh, at the River Cree there twice a week. And uh, yeah pretty much it take me back to the uh the end of the season uh when things were shut down because it was into the ajhl playoffs in fact the first round was pretty much done i think you're getting ready to to uh, finally get into action because the crew had about a, a buy in that first round where were you uh when you were told that uh you know what nothing's happening now we're, we're done for the year uh well so we played friday and we just got off practice thursday and there was a meeting with our owners and stuff like that. So um, they came in and they're like, yeah, it's, it's probably not going to happen. But it wasn't for sure. And then um, yeah, we get a text the next morning and it's like, hey, like it's canceled. And just kind of just kind of ended like that. We didn't really couldn't say goodbye to anyone. No exit meetings, no nothing. So just kind of it's unfortunate, obviously. But uh, I just kind of snuck up and for a good group that we had. Um, it's obviously disappointing that we didn't get to see where we could have gone. Well, no kidding. When you're the number one ranked CJHL team in the entire country, and then you don't even get to play your, you know, it's one thing to lose your last game of the year, but to not even get to play that game, especially when you were heavy favorites, uh, that's got to be a, a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, some people say that we didn't make playoffs because we didn't play, but uh, <laughs> just. Just, uh, it's just, I guess it's how it goes sometimes. Um, this is just kind of a one in a lifetime thing that happens with this stuff. So, yeah, we just kind of take on the, <laughs> try to take it on the positive side. Not yeah. much positive, but, uh, yeah, but we still had fun throughout the year and, uh, kind of excited to get, uh, going next year with, uh, Denver. So, yeah. Well, we'll get to the pioneers in a second, but uh, it was a fun year. Winning makes it fun. This uh, this season for you, seventy five points in just fifty four games, uh, and you had, you were a point per game guy the previous year in your rookie season, but this year took it to another level altogether. Uh, wh- what was going right for you on a personal level? And uh, I know you're going to credit your teammates for a lot of your success, but uh, tell me about this season and just how different it was for you and where you are in your development moving forward. Oh uh, yeah, like this season, I I had more swagger, more confidence coming in, uh, coming in the year with my success last year. Like last year, uh, or my rookie year, didn't really know what to expect coming in to set goals and stuff, and uh, I kind of overachieved what I set. 
And so I just kind of came in with more confidence, more swagger to, you know, go and win. And, you know, obviously, like you said, like my teammates, they gave it's obviously a big help with, uh, like Savvy and Arjun on the, on my two walls for the power play. But, uh, mm-hmm. like it's been, it's been a good, good year for me personally. Um, and yeah, I was just kind of, excited didn't really know it was gonna take toll but uh yeah obviously the stats uh came up so i was just just happy to celebrate with my buddies when we score well the uh, season started really early for you you got to go to russia play in the junior club world cup uh represent the alberta junior hockey league what was that experience like for you uh that was an awesome experience uh we're in the sochi uh olympic village there so it was pretty, I guess, pretty safe or whatever it was. But uh, the style of play out there is a lot different. Mm. Um, yeah, and there's just a lot of different cultures there. Um, pretty neat that we played with Putin in front of us the first game. We played Russia. That was pretty neat. Uh, big crowd. And it's it was just a good atmosphere. Uh, a good group of guys going out there from all different teams in the AJ. And, you know, we had a lot of fun playing against good competition and uh, just fell short getting silver against Russia. But, uh, you know, it was just a good life experience in general, too. Michael Benning is my guest. He's a defenseman eligible for the draft this year, played for the Sherwood Park Crusaders uh, the, the past couple of seasons. He's going to Denver. We'll we'll, talk, we'll touch on that here in a bit. But uh, maybe for the people who don't follow the AJHL, maybe they're just casual NHL fans and will uh, want to know, everything about the draft eligible players when the draft comes they might not know you so let's get a bit of background uh you're from the uh the St. Albert area uh, who got you into hockey at an early age this is also something maybe casual fans don't know uh, uh we're actually talking about this yesterday um uh, my dad and my brother they kind of got me into hockey um my brother was 8 years older than me so you know he would always go to the rink or have games and whatsoever. So like I'd be there with my mini stick and my tennis ball and I'd just be bouncing off the walls, just getting fired up. Um, but, uh, yeah, those two, those two got me into the game. Uh, I actually wanted to be a forward, but my dad was like, no, like you can play defense because that's it. That's what he gave me. So, uh, and then for like, we all, all our siblings shoot right. And, uh, he was a lefty and it's kind of a funny story because he, uh, there's two sticks. There's an old beat up wooden stick that was a lefty. And then there's a nice right aluminum stick. And he's like, okay, pick which one. Well, obviously you're going to pick the nice one. So then that's kind of how me and my sister and my brother all kind of shot right because, you know, we'll bribe or whatever. But, uh, I guess right handed deer valuable now. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how, how I shot right. So do you think he did that on purpose, knowing you right-handed defenseman? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, for fans who uh, or listeners who don't know, Brian Benning, your dad, uh, played in the NHL. Your older brother, Matt Benning, with the Edmonton Oilers now. And, uh, I mean, you, you've got a lot of hockey in your bloodlines. Uh, I mean, I, I knew your grandpa, Elmer, uh, with a longtime Montreal Canadian scout. And, of course, people know Jim. It, hockey has been... It's in your genes. It's in your DNA. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's kind of what we surround ourselves around. Uh, you know, it's good having those those experienced guys to kind of guide you through 
the process um, of kind of getting to the next level or what's what's coming up or stuff like that. Um, yeah, and they've been there. They've seen what's happened. And, uh, you know, it motivates me to get to that next level. So, yeah, it's it's obviously it's great having those guys there um, giving me pointers and tips. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of good all around. All right, well, let's talk about that next level. Uh, we mentioned it's the Denver Pioneers, the next step for you uh, to play college hockey. Now, Matt played out in Easton, out east in, uh, in Boston. Uh, why was Denver the right program for you? I uh, know Denver, uh, they came to me. They're one of the earlier teams that came to me and talked to me. Uh, I think it was Bantam that they started talking to me. And, uh, you know, I was, I was very interested in them, but I was still kind of weighing out my options with some other schools. And, uh, you know, I explored some other schools and, uh, I just felt like Denver was, uh, with their staff, with their schooling, um, just all around a little bit closer to home that, uh, that, that was kind of the decision, the right decision that I made. Um, and obviously they've won a lot of championships in their last few years and, uh, yeah, it's kind of, you know, I like to win. So with that. <laughs> seeing that you know I kind of struck my eye and you know kind of wanted to go there and uh yeah be a pioneer helps that your good buddy Carter Savoy also uh, going to Denver who who committed first uh he committed first but yeah yeah he committed first they were talking to us at the same time but uh yeah he committed I think a year before me or half a year did that play a role in you know influencing you to, to go that way too did he help recruit you uh, people say that, but like, I, I don't think so. Like I was just going it on by the school and obviously he's my best buddy Yeah. and it's, it's a bonus that he's going there. So that my best buddy by my side and, uh, kind of gets me more comfortable in situations going in there. But yeah, I guess I kind of played a little role. All right. Well, for fans who uh, know nothing about you and haven't seen you play, how would you describe your, the, you on the ice as a player? I mean, they can look at the stats and see a wow, big numbers, uh, but they see five eight or five nine or or whatever you are listed at uh, for size, and maybe doesn't give a complete picture. So, how do you describe yourself as a player? Oh, I think I'm a I'm a smaller offensive defenseman. Um, I'm dynamic on the blue line. You know, I'll create time and space for uh, myself with my feet and my deceptiveness. Um, love the power play. Um, love. <laughs> Just love the power play. I don't know what what it is, but I don't think anyone won't love it. But that's just kind of where uh, it's kind of where my offensive abilities come out most of the time. There and uh, in the offensive zone play, they're jumping up in the rush, being the fourth guy. But uh, yeah, I just love love playing offense. Don't like defense. I can tell you that. So there's a few recent AJHL guys who have gone the college route, and they're having success at the next level as well. Kale McCarr wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but uh, certainly made a name for himself. You're going to Denver, basically replacing Ian Mitchell, who uh, played in the AJHL as well. When you hear names like that, do you, do you see similarities in the way that they play and the way that you play currently and think, well, if they did it in the AJHL like I do, I can maybe have that success too at the next level? Uh, yeah, like I, always, I look up to those guys. Um, those guys are hella players. They're both gonna, or Ian's stepping in at the next level next year, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, Kale's already there. Um, they both produced, uh, good numbers. They're both been reliable. Um, 
and you know those are guys i look up to and i want to be like them um different styles of play um to get points um kale is just a beast all around he's quick he's he can create time and space just with himself um you know i think like a player like me i can i'm a guy that's a playmaker one pass it then jump up instead of beating a guy one-on-one um so like there's different styles and there's different uh different ways to create that offense but same with ian ian's uh Ian's a really dynamic player as well. And, you know, we each have our different ways of doing it. But uh, at the end of the day, it kind of have the same outcome. So, All right. Now, we don't know when the draft is going to be. Heck, we don't even know when the next season is going to start. Do you have some concerns about that, about what a long uh, delay, what a, you know, what that does to development and things like that? If, you know, if there's no hockey until, I don't know, 2021, does that concern you? Uh, no, I, I uh, I haven't really thought about that. Uh, just kind of taking it one step at a time. Like we're we're supposed to start our season on time, so that's what that's what I'm kind of training for. Um, you know, practicing for. Um, but uh, you know, like I'm always excited. Uh, even going to school there in Denver, um, it's a good opportunity to just be there and uh, you know, be with the guys that play on the team and. Uh, you know, they got a good training program there and uh, skating, obviously, we would skate there. And uh, even if we take uh, whatever, six months or a full year, you know, I can't really can't do much about it. But mm-hmm. uh, obviously, I want to get back on the ice and playing games as soon as possible. So so do you know when you and, and Carter will uh, head down to uh, to Denver? Uh, it's still up in the air. Um, everything's still up in the air, I guess. But uh they they want us there for the start of September. Um, I'm not sure when we're going to go down, though, with all this, with the flights and the international stuff like that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll find a way there. So yeah. No kidding. And hopefully uh, next time we uh, chat, it'll be because we're, uh, we're talking about hockey and, and things going on on the ice. Uh, well, I really appreciate your time, Mike. Uh, certainly wish you the best of luck moving forward, and I uh, hope we can chat again when uh, – once you're down there with the Pios. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Name the 2020 CJHL Defenseman of the Year. That was Michael Benning of the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Still expected to join the Denver Pioneers for this coming season, although, again, the college hockey season completely up in the air. Mentioned it in the first segment today, the college hockey news story that the ECAC, well, the Ivy schools, no hockey, uh, no sports at all in any sport, until January. That impacts the ECAC conference. The Big Ten has also said if they play, there won't be any non-conference games, and that completely throws a wrench into the whole pairwise ranking and all of that situation. So uh, college hockey very much in question for the 2021 season at this point. Up next, one more segment to go, and it's another 2020 draft spotlight. Justin Sordeff was a uh, standout with the Vancouver Giants this year. Let's get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show. Behind the goal line, looking in front for Kolasar. Bring it to the slot, to the legs, Barzell. Watson, back hand shot, and he will score! Hi, this is Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds, and you are listening to the Pipeline Show.
Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. Hey, it's one of my personal favorites, but tell the people about it. The Vacation Mexican Lager. When the chores are done, the lawn is mowed or the sidewalk shoveled. This Mexican lager is perfect for floating on fresh powder or floating down the river. Vacation Lager is a little getaway every day. Player comparable, Sidney Crosby can do it all and is always in the conversation of the very best. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hello there. We're back on the Pipeline Show. We're going to end this week's episode off with a uh, another 2020 draft spotlight segment. And still, we don't know when the draft is going to be held, but uh, we like to get uh, to know some of the players who are draft eligible. And uh, it's another player out of the WHL, so another in the dub segment. Dubnetwork.ca, where you can stay up to date on everything happening with the Western Hockey League. And it's back up and running, which is great news. Uh, so you can subscribe to get your daily dose of the dub uh, right into your inbox. You don't even have to uh, search for it to get updated uh, on what's happening in the Western Hockey League. Uh, my guest, Justin Sordiff of the Vancouver Giants. Uh, Justin, welcome to the program. How are you? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on, Guy. I appreciate uh, you making the time. Busy summer. I mean, it's 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 been such an extended off season here now for everybody. But I know a lot of players who are in your shoes being draft eligible doing lots of interviews with, with teams and things like that. Um, so although there hasn't been any games and, and training might have been affected, has it been still kind of busy? Uh, yeah, no, it's definitely picked up um, in the uh, past month or two here um, compared to the first couple months of uh, quarantining. So um, I've been trying to keep myself busy, and uh, I've been on the ice as of late, so I'm really excited about that. Okay, and I know when the season was shut down, I think uh, the Giants might have had five, six games left to go in the schedule, uh, and right in the thick of a playoff chase with the uh, the Victoria Royals for seeding. Uh, take me back to uh, the day when you were told that, uh, well, pack up and go home because we're uh, we're on hold. Where were you and the team at that point? Um, so I was uh, just finishing up uh, school. Um, I was with a couple other teammates, Tanner Brown and Cruz Plummer, and um, we were just grabbing like a, a quick wrap and something to eat before we were about to head to Langley uh, for a practice. Um, we got the phone call or guys were texting in our team group chat and we were told not to come to the rink and just to head over to our practice facility in Ladner. And that's when our team doctor and all the staff members and everybody, uh, you know, uh, arrived there and we kind of had that meeting and they uh, just discussed on what was going on mm. and what was happening and how we needed to quarantine um, cause, uh, you know, one of the players on our team was, you know, symptomatic, ultimately didn't end up having anything, but just a precautionary thing. Um, so that was all dealt with. That was, uh, you know, guys went back to their billets, guys who were local went home. And from there on, uh, all the guys who were, uh, from different provinces or out of town went and picked up their gear and ended up, uh, taken off i guess and the local guys ended up picking their gear probably about a month after hmm. well and tough i mean just with the playoffs right around the corner and I, I i know the team wasn't exactly on fire when the the uh the shutdown happened i think you were winless in five games or something like that but right in the thick of that playoff race uh, with victoria uh and everybody gets excited for the playoffs so obviously disappointing for everybody to be shut down for you personally this was a pretty darn good year 54 points 
in 57 games. 26 of those were goals. It's your draft year and all of those types of things. Just on a personal level, it had to have been a, a blow. Um, yeah, no, it definitely was. Um, not being able to finish the season off. Obviously, playoffs is probably uh, you know the most fun you'll have uh, in the entire season. Uh, it's where the most competitive hockey's being played, and obviously, uh, you know, you have a shot to win a championship. Uh, your adrenaline's pumping, and I think you just really get up for playoff games. Uh, the fans are really loud. The arena's usually uh, at full capacity, so uh, obviously it was yeah uh, pretty tough to miss out on that this year. Um, yeah, everybody really felt you know for the 20 year olds that didn't get a chance to give it one last go. Yeah. So. Um, you know, it was a pretty pretty devastating all around, but um, we are just trying to kind of look ahead and uh, see, you know, uh, what we can do, um, you know, to, I guess, improve uh, ourselves as individuals and get ready for uh, the next season, whenever that may be. Well, this was your second full year in the WHL. I know you'd played four games previously to that, just a, a bit of a dip your toe in the waters of the league to kind of get used to it. You know, 46 points as a rookie last year. And then, uh, well, I guess two years ago now, this past season, 54 points, as I mentioned. Um, so progression there, were you happy with the way you had played? Um, I felt as a 16-year-old, I had a, I had a pretty good season. I was really happy with the way things went there. Um, this year, uh, obviously, I wasn't satisfied. Um, I had a, an average season um, uh, for myself. Uh, that's what I believe. I think, uh, you know, I could have played uh, much better hockey. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, you can't go back and uh, change that. So it's just all about uh, looking forward and just trying to improve, uh, you know, improve myself and, uh, um, you know, I guess to be ready for any kind of situation, whatever may happen. Justin Sordiff of the Vancouver Giants is my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the 2020 Draft Spotlight segment. Uh, let's get back in. I was going to go all the way back to the start for you and uh, for the benefit of uh, the audience that might not uh, follow the WHL closely and might not know who you are. And uh, let's get a bit of background. You're a BC kid, right down, right down in Surrey. Uh, yes, yes, I am. All right. How old were you when you first started playing, Justin? Uh, I would say I was probably about six years old when I first started playing organized hockey. Okay, that's actually a little bit later than a lot of kids. Sometimes I, I'm hearing like three or four. Uh, six is a little bit later. Uh, any particular reason? Um, well, uh, I mean, like I don't even remember, obviously. I don't have any memories of when I was three or even four. So okay. um, I definitely wasn't skating then. Um, I was taking skating lessons when I was five. My parents obviously uh, thought it was way too young to put me into any kind of sports at that age. Or they thought there's no way I should be skating. I was uh, three years old, obviously, so right. um, no skating lessons at five. And I guess uh, when I kind of just was able to s skate around without falling over, they put me in organized hockey. So I was about six years old. Um, usually guys start in uh, hockey one, which is kind of novice. And then I ended up starting in hockey two. So Who first brought hockey to your attention? Uh, I wanted to play. Um, my dad said uh, we were driving home one day, and there were these kids in my neighborhood. I was obviously about like five or six at the time. No, actually, I might have even been younger. I think I might have been, yeah, like just about five years old. Um, and there's a couple, I guess, 10-year-olds playing road hockey. They were having a little scrimmage, I guess. And uh, my dad said, you know, I just wanted to kind of I kind of wanted to watch, so we ended up walking back, and we were watching for about 20 minutes, and 
you know, when he uh, kind of picked me up and we were about to leave, uh, I, I didn't want to go. I wanted to keep watching because I was so fascinated by it. Hmm. So nice. uh, he ultimately uh, ended up putting me in hockey. Nice. Uh, Justin, your sheet I'm looking at lists you as a center. Uh, other sheets just say forward. What what position are you most comfortable at? Um, I believe I'm a natural centerman. Um, always have been. Uh, it's a position I prefer to play. Uh, I played wing these past two seasons in the Western Hockey League, um, just as a young player kind of coming in. Right. Um, which is understandable. You have like 18, 19, 20 year olds, obviously at the center position. Um, but no, uh, definitely naturally a centerman for sure. I guess having a little experience on the wing now, probably, I'm guessing, makes you a, a bit more well-rounded of a player you, to have that familiarity with the, the other spots. Uh, might even make you a better center. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely a positive having that versatility uh, added to my game. Um, I feel that it definitely, uh, you know, uh, gives me uh, a lot of options, I guess, at the next level. So um, it's definitely nice to know that, uh, you know, as a team who's looking to draft you, that they are drafting, you know, a guy who can play a center or a right wing. Um, and they're not just, you know, focused on one position. So I uh, I do think that was uh, definitely a positive uh, to learn that position and be able to play it. Justin, take me back to the uh, the Bantam draft and what that day was like for you. I, when I talked to players, uh, sometimes guys were at school and trying to follow along on their phone or something. Other guys got to stay home from school. There's There's been a couple of guys in this draft class actually have told me that they were in Philadelphia playing in a tournament. Uh, but I don't know if that was the case for you. So what was draft day like? Um, no, uh, I was uh, on my way to school. Um, I uh, I was uh, I think I was on the bus actually, um, when or just before uh, getting on the bus, I got a phone call um, from the uh, the Giants. I believe it was uh, uh, the general manager was Glenn Hanlon at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Jason McKee was the head coach. So. They uh, no, they gave me they gave me a call and told me uh, you know welcome to the Vancouver Giants organization. Um, we're going to be picking you, I guess, with the third taking you with the third pick, I should say. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, obviously, my teammates were pretty happy for me. Um, that was kind of nice to just uh, share that moment, I guess, with them. Um, uh, obviously, kind of growing up together and playing a lot of hockey together. Uh, I ended up getting, you know, phone calls, obviously, from, you know, my parents, other family, uh, agents. Um, but uh, it was uh, it was a pretty uh, pretty fun day. And you didn't have to wait long. Obviously, you mentioned a third overall pick uh, by the Giants. Now, the lower mainland, it's a big area. It's a big population area. So you're from Surrey. The team is in Vancouver, but actually plays in Langley. Uh, so people from outside the market might not get it, but do you actually get to live at home or do you still bill it out? Uh, what's your situation? Um, I live at home now. Uh, I was billeting, obviously, as a 16-year-old and for a majority of my 17-year-old year. Okay. Um, but uh moved home probably around February. Um, no, I live uh, probably around 20 minutes away from the Langley Event Center. Oh, so that's that's actually pretty handy then, yeah. Yeah, so I know definitely a lot closer than if I was uh, living in uh, uh, Tawasson, um, South Delta. So our practice facility is at Ladner, so that is about a 15-minute drive for me to our practice facility and then 20-minute drive to our game rink. So okay. uh, I'm kind of in the middle of both. 
Now, this season uh, being your draft year, I, I mean, you were in the spotlight, to have been in the spotlight all season, and your season started really early, getting to play at the Holinka Gretzky Cup in, in, back in uh, in August, and you got to go overseas to do that. What was that experience like for you? Uh, it was uh, it was pretty cool, I guess, um, just being able to um, play on the big stage, I guess, um, and, uh, you know, knowing the games were televised on uh, TSN and um, having all those scouts there watching you was uh, it was a really cool experience. Obviously, getting to play against those uh, other players from different countries, um, playing with the guys on our team that are you know future top five, top three picks. Even it was uh, no, it was a, a really cool experience all around. Obviously, it was disappointing not being able to win gold, but. Uh, I uh, I still took a, a lot out of that tournament for sure. Well, five points in in the the five games uh, that you uh, that you played for Canada over there uh, sounds like a successful tournament. Although you said uh, as you mentioned uh, didn't come home with the with the gold medal, which doesn't always happen. Actually, it happens very infrequently for Canada that uh, Canada doesn't win gold medal at the Holinka Gretzky Cup. Did it did it seem to help you get off to a uh, you know almost come back and get into training camp and preseason? But you almost, uh, because you'd played some high-tempo games to that point already, give you a bit of kickstart going into the year? Uh, yeah, no, I uh, I had a week off, I guess, um, probably when I came back from Europe um, before training camp started. So uh ended up going into training camp and um, lots of confidence. And uh, I was very, uh, very pleased, I guess, with uh, how I started the season for uh, the first couple of weeks. Um, it was pretty tough, I guess, having the uh, road trip right away um, and having to go all the way out to Winnipeg um, from them moving from Kootenay. Um, it was a long bus ride. Uh, guys were pretty tired, but um, I thought we handled uh, our road trip pretty well. Has the draft been on your mind much throughout this uh, this season? I don't know. Maybe it's changed now since this long delay here in the off season. but during the course of the of playing, was it something that you spent much time thinking about, or did you try to avoid the thought? Um, I think you try and avoid the thought as much as possible. I mean, obviously, there's people going to be talking about it all the time, constantly to you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, teammates want to be focused on the team, and uh, that's what I was mainly focused on. I was focused on just our team success. Um I uh I really wanted to win a championship, especially being so close to uh, uh accomplishing that last year. Um that's all I was focused on. And uh I think when everybody's focused on just like that team success, um there's you know, you almost feel like you're unbeatable. Uh so obviously uh I would like rarely, rarely, you know, look at any rankings uh, as such or um you know, just uh, just different websites or anything like that. I'd really stay away from that stuff. Um, so obviously, I've had time to think about the draft now in the off season, but during the season, I definitely tried to uh, put that out of my mind. Well, and I guess for for fans who maybe don't follow the WHL or don't get a chance to watch the Giants play, they only see the stats line. Uh, how would you describe yourself as a player to to give us a bit of a, a self scouting report if you can? Um, I believe I'm a 200 foot center um, slash winger, and uh, I uh, I play you know my best hockey in all three zones. Um, uh, equally strong, I guess, in all three. And I uh, play uh, play with an edge. I play very uh, very hard, um, and also just a hard guy to play against. 
like I said, in all three zones. So definitely a 200 foot center. And what I'm looking at says 5'11 and about 175 pounds. Are those numbers uh, accurate? Uh, yeah, no, uh, I guess I've definitely have been able to uh, put on some weight here um, in this uh, pretty long off season. So I'm yeah. um, currently 182 pounds. Okay. And uh, yeah, or just over 5'11. So. All right. Do you think you've stopped growing taller? Uh, you know what? I have no idea. Um, I could stay this height or I could grow uh, another inch uh, I've, or two. I have no idea. Okay. Um, obviously, uh, you know, genetics has a big factor to play in it. And I've been fortunate enough that, um, you know, my father's five foot ten. So uh, who knows um, how tall I'll get or if I stay the same height. Right now, uh, I'm pretty comfortable. I would be able to play professional hockey at the size I am um, with the shape that I'm in. But uh, obviously, it wouldn't hurt to, you know, be an inch or two taller. Uh, before you get to that next level, are there areas of your game that you think, you're probably your harshest critic, your own harshest critic, but are there areas of your game that you feel that you need to improve on the most? Oh, of course. Um, always uh, constantly needing to improve uh, my, uh, on my skating. Um, obviously, that's what the NHL is now. Uh, it's the fastest league in the world, um, and you need to be fast to keep up. Uh, and to actually make a, you know, be a difference maker on your team. So, um, skating, uh, you always need to constantly, uh, be, you know, being faster and, uh, you need to be, uh, in the best shape you can be, I guess. Um, so upper body and obviously, uh, conditioning are huge, um, to compete at the next level. So those are definitely things you need to work on. Obviously for myself and, different individuals or different things you need to work on for myself. I think that's consistency in my play. Um, I think uh, just in the offensive part, I, uh, uh, I need to uh, be more consistent in that aspect, but everything else uh, for consistency wise, I believe uh, uh, I've done a good job, I guess, as I've gotten older. I wanted to ask about coach uh, Michael Dick and how he's helped you become a better player. He's been your coach in Vancouver the last couple of years. What's uh, what's happened like for you? You know, there's uh, been a lot of good um, for uh, when I was a 16-year-old. Um, I, I came into the league not knowing what to expect, and I learned uh, how to play uh, play aggressive um, and on my toes and not to fear uh, anybody uh, on the other team. Um, no matter 20-year-old, 19, 18, uh, if they had 30 pounds on me, um, I was uh, kind of known as the, you know, just, uh, always circling in the front of the net and uh, sometimes I take a beating but um, you know it's just the way I kind of learned to play um, and I felt that uh, no it's definitely helped me uh, play in that league. As a Vancouver area guy growing up were the the uh, I wasn't going to say the Giants were the Canucks your your favorite team growing up maybe you were a, a Giants fan did you spend a lot of time watching the WHL as well? Uh, no not really um, I uh I wasn't really uh, a huge guy for uh, watching, like, I guess, hockey per se. If I did have a favorite team, that would be the Washington Capitals. Oh, okay. Any particular um, reason why? Uh, well, my favorite player is TJ Oshie. And, uh, you know, one of my other favorite players is Alexander Ovechkin. So, um, Oshie used to be in St. Louis. And then, especially when he made uh, or got traded I, uh, to the Capitals, um, you know, that was that was my team um, that I always rooted for. So to see them win the uh, Stanley Cup um, was uh, pretty pretty awesome. 
and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. But um, I, uh, I I like watching other sports as well. Well, a couple of goal scorers there, TJ Oshie and uh, Alex Ovechkin, that's for sure. Yeah. Justin, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I enjoyed this conversation a lot. I wish you the best of luck, and hopefully we get to the draft year sooner before, uh, sooner as opposed to later, and we can uh, cross that finish line. Uh, and then we'll we'll chat with you again when the Giants roll through Edmonton next year. Hopefully we uh, get back to a WHL <laughs> season. Yeah, no thanks, Keith. appreciate you having me on. There's Justin Sordiff of the Vancouver Giants, who uh, had a really strong season for Vancouver, unfortunately, though, for he and for everybody else this year. Things got cut short. Could have been a guy who, uh, with a strong playoff push, that could have trickled down and affected his draft stock in a positive way. After that interview, I was kicking myself because I didn't ask him about uh, how he was one of the number of players, current and former WHL players, who put together the uh, Black Lives Matter video for the WHL. I forgot to ask him about that. But a really intriguing player and good interview. I enjoyed that one a lot. And that is the end of this week's episode. Thanks to the four guests that you heard on the show today and the uh, teams who helped put those uh, interviews together. Uh, Next week on the show, hope to have another full slate of guests, but uh, no confirmations uh, just at this point to have some irons in the fire, as the saying goes. But that's it. So we'll go into the weekend and try to set things up for next week. Uh, until then, though, let's keep in mind that the uh, COVID-19 is still around, very much so. And in fact, in Edmonton, one of the hospitals completely shut down, not taking any uh, new patients as they're trying to control an outbreak at the Misericordia Hospital. And uh, just as uh, all these NHL players are about ready to uh, travel into town, uh, so they're trying to put a lid on that for sure. Still, compared to uh, most places in uh, the country, with major cities, a much better situation in Alberta and in Edmonton than in a lot of places, uh, and especially considering what we're seeing south of the border. I understand everybody wants to get back to uh, some sense of normalcy sooner as opposed to later and get the economy going and all of those types of things, but unless people take it seriously, wear your mask and do your social distancing and wash your hands and sanitize your hands, take all those precautions, be vigilant. If that doesn't happen, It's going to just keep dragging on and on and on. And I know it's summer and people want to get outside and you feel like you should be able to go to bars and things like that, but you got to use your head. Stay safe and treat each other with kindness. Too much anger out there. Let's have some respect for one another. We're going to get through this together. Until next week, my name is Keith Flaming. See ya.